What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, late Monday night, the Graduate Student Union at University of Illinois Chicago suspended a week-long strike after reaching an agreement with university officials. The union went on strike last Monday after a year without a contract. It's not just academic unions. Workers are fighting for better working conditions across industries, from corporations like Amazon and Starbucks to smaller local companies like Tortillerias. A labor historian tells host Jacoby Cochran about the importance of this moment in organized labor. It's Tuesday, April 26th. I'm Carrie Shepard, and this is CityCast Chicago. Grass Students Union workers on strike had a chant, get up, get down. Chicago is a union town. What exactly makes Chicago a union town? So it goes back, you know, to the late 1800s, where some of the the strongest and most militant unions and labor leaders have always been in Chicago. Some of the most epic strikes and and episodes of labor history have happened right here. The Haymarket Affair, the Pullman Strike, um, the Memorial Day Massacre in 1937. Jeff Shirky is a professor in the history department at UIC and received his Ph.D. at the university. So he was once part of the graduate employees organization that was just on strike. We talked with Jeff before the strike was suspended. There's this whole tradition in history of uh, this being a working class city. You know, it was a major city for, for industry and now a major city with tourism and service sector and hospitality and those kinds of jobs. The movement of teacher unions around the country demanding more funding for public education, um, the Red for Ed movement, really started in Chicago in 2012 with the Chicago Teachers Union strike that year. The Fight for 15 campaign of fast food workers going on short-term strikes to demand raises also started here in Chicago about 10 years ago. We would like to get paid like everybody else. In addition to the wage increase, many of these workers say they want to be represented by a union. Whether it was the eight-hour day, whether it's um, paid sick days, whether it's vacations, these are all things that were won. You know, living wages have been won by unions. So I think all of that and the fact that whenever there is a labor struggle or a strike, um, people from different unions will come out and support each other. Yeah. Uh, for people outside academia, they may not understand one why or even that graduate students uh, have a union. Right. They might think of the teachers union or the plumbers union. Uh, but, but they're workers at the university, too. Uh, can you explain the importance of the, the graduate union at UIC? Yeah. At, at UIC and most other major universities around the country, uh, graduate students, these are people getting masters and especially Ph.D.s are not only students in the way the traditional way you might think of it. They're also doing the bulk of the labor, especially as teaching assistants, which means 
not only like grading, doing the bulk of all the grading, grading exams, grading assignments, um, also mentoring, tutoring students one-on-one, you know, having a more direct relationship with students than many professors have. And, um, and in many cases, uh, graduate student workers are actually teaching the classes. They're the actual instructor for as many as 100 students. Um, but they get paid poverty wages, and at the same time, they have to pay uh, fees to the university. So at UIC, for example, the baseline salary for graduate workers is only $20,000. And at the same time, they have to pay up to $2,000 a year in fees back to the university. And they want to be clear that these aren't like kids, you know, like living with their parents or whatever. These are adults. Many of them have children of their own. When did these efforts really start picking up? They started back in the 1960s in the time period of like the anti-Vietnam War movement and like free speech movement on college campuses. And the oldest, longest, like recognized graduate union is in Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin-Madison, the Teaching Assistance Association, which won their first contract in 1969. So ever since then, whenever graduate workers try to unionize, the administrations of the universities will say, well, you can't form a union because you're not a real worker. You're just a student. And they've been doing this for 50 years now, making that same argument as Uh, more and more grad unions have continued to be organized and win contracts. At UIC, the grad worker union went on strike in 2019 for almost three weeks to win a contract. I was a member of the union at that that time, uh, doing my PhD then. Um, And now they're on strike again three years later for the next contract. Can you explain that to me? So what were the main issues that you all were at odds over with UIC administration in 2019? And how have they changed or, or, you know, even kind of grown since then? Yeah. So in 2019, our minimum wage was only $18,000. And um, the fees were also pretty high then. There was especially like this international student fee, like almost half of all of the graduate workers at UIC are international students from other countries here on a student visa. Legally, they can't work off campus. They can't get like a job on the side. They also often don't qualify for federal student loans. Um, and they're far away from home. They don't have like their any family or some, you know local support system. And the UIC charges them an extra fee that that they don't charge to like domestic graduate students. Purely because they're international, do they tell you what the money's going to? Does it go back for services for international students or resources that go directly back to them? That's what it's supposed to be. Uh, it's it funds the Office of International Students. So in 2019, when we went on strike, some of the things that we won included. A 14% pay increase over three years, which is why it's now 20000 uh, You know, They were trying to give us a 7% increase over five years, but we got 14% over three years, so it was a lot better. And then with the international student fee, we got that reduced in half. So this current strike is trying to you know, continue to push for even higher, uh, higher raises. Um, and, you know, and in the meantime, in the last three years, we've had the pandemic. I was, I was just going to say. Things have become even more desperate and critical. Graduate student workers, just like faculty and and K through 12 teachers, had to quickly adapt to trying to teach online to keep undergraduate students engaged. You know, and, if, and UIC is you know prides itself on being a uh, minority serving institution where the majority of students are first generation college students from working class families, students of color, Im- students from immigrant backgrounds. You know, those communities have been the hardest hit by the pandemic. 
And so our students have had, you know, family members die or have their, you know, parents have lost their jobs and their whole lives have been turned upside down and they're trying to get a college education. So trying to, the work of the teaching assistants, the graduate workers, as well as the faculty and trying to make sure that students succeed and that they can still learn and still, you know, move forward with their education has been incredibly, uh, you know, valuable work. How does this end up falling on the shoulders of students? Like, are, do classes get canceled? Do do grades get pushed back? How big of an impact does this have on classes across the entire university? It's pretty big. I mean, f- you know, in some of the departments like English and math, uh, the graduate workers do a lot of the actual teaching. They're the actual instructors. So those classes are canceled. And then discuss- discussion sections that usually happen on Fridays are all canceled. And final exams are coming up in just two weeks. So if this isn't resolved, you know, almost all of those final exams are not going to be graded or any other final, you know, assignments for the semester because the the TAs are the ones who do most of the grading. But overwhelmingly, I have to say from talking to my own undergraduate students and seeing them out on the picket lines and and seeing them be interviewed by the media, every single one of them is like fully supporting the, the grad workers because they know them. They know the TAs. They're their teachers. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Let's step out of academia and talk about some of the the larger movements happening in organized labor right now. And the big names that come to mind are places like, you know, Starbucks, I believe are six or seven in the Chicago area have joined the, the national labor effort. You got Amazon uh, employees uh, fighting to unionize. Why are we seeing so many workers at these mega companies who've been around for decades unionize now? What it is about this moment? I mean, there's a, a lot of things, but the, um, the main factor um, I think is, is the pandemic, right? And a lot of, service sector workers being deemed essential during the pandemic. Amazon workers, you know, how so many people were just ordering stuff online because, you know, they didn't, they didn't want to or couldn't go out. Um, so it was Amazon workers and warehouses and drivers bringing stuff to people. They, they were still essential workers. And a lot of these workers make low wages. They have few to no benefits. They get talked down to. They're overworked. They don't have stable schedules. And a lot of them, I think, realize like I'm I'm risking my life. They were literally, you know, this is we're talking before the vaccines, having dealt with that and survived that. A lot of the the typical fear, the, um, 
when it comes to trying to organize a union and speak out, a lot of that fear is gone now. And a lot of workers know that, you know, they, they, they should and they can demand more. And I think that's a lot of what we've been seeing at Amazon and Starbucks in particular. And in those, the organizing efforts have been led primarily by the workers themselves. Things have changed. We're going we to unionize. We're not going to quit our jobs anymore. And, uh, you know, this is a prime example of, of what, what the power that people have when they come together. Uh, what about management? What are some of the ways they've tried to make union workers look bad? What are some of the strategies you're seeing from management? They're using a lot of the same old anti-union kind of messaging, union busting messaging, whenever, especially when the workers file to have a union election to vote on whether or not to, to, to unionize. They'll, you know, Amazon, Starbucks, they'll, they'll spend millions of dollars on anti-union consultants to come in and you know, say, oh, you're going to be paying all these dues to this union, and you're going to be losing money, or you won't, you know, you won't have the same flexibility. And they've been using those tactics for decades, and they've often worked pretty well. But now it seems, when you look at Amazon, Starbucks, they're not working anymore. A younger generation of workers who, you know, they're not falling for these same old tricks. They already, you know, they're kind of, they kind of know that they're out there. They're kind of outdated. But yeah, and then the other thing, of course, is with. This you know so-called labor shortage um, when it's you know it's really a shortage of good wages and good benefits, but lots of people have been resigning from especially from these uh, low-wage service sector jobs. You know the media calls it the Great Resignation. Um, the way management has responded, as we've all seen, is you know they just kind of complain. Nobody wants to work. Everybody's lazy and. Yeah, I mean, the signs that people have put on their door, I think, really speak a lot about how management value employees or even how they see them uh, when the first instinct is to say no, nobody wants to work. So so that falls on on you, the customer. So sorry, sorry, we can't help you today, but people are lazy. Exactly. As long as workers stay conscious about all this and continue mobilizing and organizing, because it does, you know, it it doesn't happen naturally. Right. It's a, a, a coordinated, conscious effort. There's the potential for this to be an important turning point in the history of uh, of labor and the working class in the U.S. with people demanding more and demanding better, uh, better treatment, more job security. Jeff Shirky is a visiting lecturer with UIC's history department. Thank you for joining us on CityCast Chicago and breaking all this down for us. Thank you. Great to be with you. UIC's graduate employment organization, the Union of Graduate Students, tweeted at midnight Monday that the agreement with the university included more than $24,000 in wages by the end of the contract and pay for when they were on strike. They announced they are back to work today. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Applications open tomorrow for the city's $12.5 million gas and public transit relief program. Remember, the city will hold a lottery where residents who meet a certain income threshold can receive either a $150 gas card or $50 in venture credit for buses and trains. Head over to the Daily Newsletter to learn more about Frederick Law Olmsted, the landscape architect who designed Jackson and Washington Park. That's chicago.citycast.fm to learn more. Have some good news to get you through. Zine Club Chicago, the city's only book club style event for people who read zines. It's hosting an online event tonight at 7.30. Celebrate all things poetry. Now, if you love yourself a good zine, check out the link in the show notes and maybe stop by Quimby's Bookstore in Wicker Park, which has an extensive selection. 
As always, I appreciate you for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Blah, 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 blah.